guys, welcome to another episode of Visionary People where you can find relatable stories that will be encouraging and uplifting. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hey, welcome to Visionary People. Thank you for being on the podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Hey everyone, my name is Vivian and I am a family nurse practitioner and on the side I'm also a relationship coach and I'm so excited to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So I just want to ask you to share a little bit more in depth about yourself. Um, Pretty much from when you came to America to how you got here. Would you be able to do that? Sure. So I am from West Africa, specifically Cameroon. So I was born there, raised there for about seven years of my life before my family came to the U.S. in like 1999. Uh, But prior to us coming here, I would say that, you know, know how on TV they portray like Africa is like living in the slums and everything. Because not everyone (laughs) grew up like in the slums and, you know, and there are some of that reality, but that was not my reality, you know. So I always just like to paint that picture out that Africa is not just a slump area because there are actually good parts of it where there are cities and buildings and people drive cars and they have toilets in their homes and stuff like that. So I was really blessed and fortunate to be in a home where both of my parents were working, right? They were both teachers, uh, they had cars. We we had a home with a roof, <laughs> you know, built of cement. <laughs> and it's sad that I need to uh, specify that, but you know, the notion is that that's not there. Um, so I grew up in that kind of home before coming to the US. So when we came to the US, I honestly, and even my parents spoke to us, like they came to this country because of us, right? So we have some of the opportunities back home, it wouldn't be the same as what we would have in the US. So my parents literally came to the US to give their children a better you know, chance in life to do exactly what they want to do and have access to things. So with me knowing that at such a young age, like my mindset had always been like, I have to make it, you know, I I need to do whatever I need to do to make sure I make my parents proud so that their coming year was not for granted. So that's always been my mindset. Even my siblings, I have two other siblings. That's always been our mindset, like doing what we enjoy, but at the same time, making sure we're accomplishing our goals. So from a very young age, I feel like I've always been like, you know, the hardworking, trying to get my grades good. And I've always been like the mom in every friend group. Right. Um, So that's kind of led me into where I am today, where I initially I was going to pursue medicine because that's also one of the typical uh, West African, you know. Pretty much most Africans go right into the healthcare industry. Exactly. Because that's what's expected. So, but I want to deep, I want to go a little bit farther in um, what you said about, you know, your parents instilled in you. Mm-hmm. Um, the five. And so I know that, you know, a lot of different cultures that are in America or around the world have um, 
a certain type of like drive that is instilled in them by their families, right? Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that that was an expectation that you felt like you had to meet, or was it something that you internalized and accepted as part of your vision? Um, mm-hmm. um, I know some people feel that pressure from their family and say, "Oh, you know what? I if you're not good at it, you're mm-hmm. you might be going into a field that you might not necessarily like because that's what your family expects, right?" Right, right, absolutely. So there is always that you know that pressure where it's some external pressure, and fortunately, I think I had parents where one was more of that. Okay, you got to do this, and one was well, one was like, "Well, what do you really want to do?" <laughs> mm-hmm. I was blessed to have a balance of both. So, but I know there is that in a lot of African, you know, homes where there is that pressure, and the child does not want to do whatever the parents want, and then there there gets to be that separation in their relationship, you know, and they kind of fall out. So that's a real thing in a lot of African homes. Um, fortunately, I was blessed where I did have a parent who was a little bit more like, okay, you should do this, you should do this, and another parent where you know. Was more like okay, what do you want to do? What are your desires? So I was able to blend both worlds and decide for myself to some degree what do I actually want to do. So for example, my dad wanted me to do medicine, and my mom was like, okay, but what fits your personality? So I was doing a little bit of research and what it entailed to become like a medical doctor. I'm like, this is not for me, <laughs> you know. So I was able to say no, but I think the fact that I was still in the health field with nursing, you know, that was like okay, like she's still in the nursing field. It wasn't like oh, she didn't become a doctor. We're gonna disown her or that. So I was able to still do what fit my personality to some degree. Yeah, be okay with that. Okay, that's good. That's uh, at least it's good that you were able to internalize that and actually accept that. Internally, and then um, was like inspired by your parents, and also having two parents that were um, not so strict. That one was like more of a friend and telling you, "Okay, well, what do you like to do? What areas are you good at?" You know, right? But a lot right. of people, you know, uh, when we talk about Africans or Asians or even you know different communities that we don't know of that are around the world. Do have that pressure? What would you say to a person um, out there that is feeling pressured by their parents or their culture to to be a certain way, but they just don't they just don't feel like doing that, and yeah. they have a interest in what that they want to pursue? Right, right. So I've come to learn that like um, our parents' generation and our generations are so different. Even some of the things that I do now, my parents are like, what are you doing? You know, it doesn't make sense to them. So first, I would just say, like, realize that their mindset is very different from what your mindset is now, and the experiences that you've had are different from their experiences. So some of the things that we as the kids want to do, it may not make sense to them, but if it makes sense to you and you have a clear path with where it's where you see yourself taking that path. Follow it, you know. Um, just know that as you follow that, you may not get the support you need because, again, it doesn't make sense to them. Right. 
end of the day, if you're able to get to that place where you're able to take care of yourself, because honestly, that's all they want you to be able to do, to be able to put food on the table, take care of yourself, and maybe take care of a family one day, if that's, you know, your desire. So if it doesn't align with the vision they have for you, but you're able to still do those things for yourself, you're now able to say, mom and dad, you know, I'm good. <laughs> you know, right. you don't have to worry about me. Right. I think you touched on um, pretty much having a vision. And if your vision makes sense and that you're willing to see that through and make that happen, um, regardless of if you get the support or you don't, um, it's important to just kind of focus on that vision and then continue to do it. And I think um, that's the most important thing is that even if people are not supporting you, um, you have an agenda, you have plans, you have, you know exactly where you want to go, right? Exactly. But the thing is, a lot of the time, I feel like uh, there's a lot of people out there, especially young people that um, are not, have not had enough experience to know what their visions are, you know, mm -hmm. what they want to do to or have plans you know so what are some things that they can do to um, see that vision clearly and set that plan right I've actually been working with um, so I do uh, like counseling on the you know as part of my job and I had this exact same situation with one of the clients who came to me you know where she was wanting to take a different path from where from what her parents wanted her to do and she very nervous and so scared because she knew that her parents would be so pissed um but she kind of knew what her interest was but kind of didn't know so if you're in that situation i would say if you kind of have an idea of maybe what you want to do but, but you're not sure find someone in that field right find someone who's maybe doing what you're doing and seek some advice from them because if they're in that place, they can provide you with insight that you may not have where you're currently at. Um, having that knowledge poured down from you, from them to you, will help you give you a better vision of if this is what you want to do with your life. And maybe right. you can't find someone exactly in that field, but maybe find you know someone that you can trust who can give you good advice, you know. And then that can also kind of help pick, like make a clearer picture for your path rather than trying to figure it out on your own and then have the pressure with your parents going on at the same time. Right, so pretty much finding like a mentor that um, they're from church or from any community that you're involved in to kind of help guide you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I want to just go back a little bit. Um, you said you came to America when you were seven years old. And then how was your experience? What, um, what were the, some things that were like a cultural shock to you? The snow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the weather was a big change. Like yeah. That, 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 the food was a change. Um, Seeing people that don't look like you as a change. Can you go a little bit deep into that? How 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 was that? Um, how was that like to be around people that were different than you, and um, were there things that you overcome? 
Yeah, I came, so at the age of seven, I think I was in like second grade. So I think at that age, everything is just kind of curious to you. You're just like, wow, like this is so different, you know, versus someone who comes when they're like maybe um, 15 or 17 and, you know, they've, they're so um, like used to their, the way they do things back home. And it's even sometimes even more of culture shock. But I came at that age where it's like everything is just curious and like different, you know? So I was just more like fascinated, <laughs> to be honest. Like, oh, they're, they're white people and like they look different from me. And just like navigating that culture, it was just more of like a fascination, like curiosity versus for someone who comes at an adult age and they're trying to learn, you know, the, the education system, the driving system, which is a whole nother ballpark in itself, which is a challenge. Right. So I was fortunate coming at that age where it was more like curiosity and like figuring out what this new thing is. Um, but growing up though, I think that I, to some degree, I feel like, you know, God's protection had always been around us and my, you know, my siblings, you know? Um, yeah. I can't say that I, I, I probably face passive racism, but not direct racism. And I, that young age, you don't even know sometimes the difference. <laughs> right. It's hard to like pick up on those things mm-hmm. until you get into until you're a little bit older. That's true. I think a lot of times when we're kids, we kind of just play um, and have fun. And whoever wants to play with you, that's, that's who you play with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think along the way, though, as you were growing up, in um in the school system uh faced any challenges as far as like you know how to navigate to like making friends and being around um people that might not be so like what your parents might not like as far as good influence you know how african parents are like i don't like you hanging out with that person right (laughs) you know you're right um i I grew up oh sorry go ahead Oh, I was done. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Like when I say white, like it was, yeah, virtually white. They were like in my graduating class in high school, there were maybe like five um, black kids and I was one of the five. Um, <laughs> so we got to know each other pretty well, you know. Um, and my friend groups, you know how you make one friend group and you kind of stick with that friend group throughout your high school experience like that's what it was for me i never really ventured out trying to make other friends outside of that friend group i had made so i my one or two friends i had that was lit (laughs) wasn't invited to parties you know like what other kids would have i wasn't getting invited to those kind of functions like none of that stuff um it was like the one two three people who i was cool with that i stuck it out with throughout high school um was there that reality of yeah i'm not getting invited to those things yes you know um but at the same time like when you find yourself in that place it's like what can you do so you just kind of build yourself up and you're like well you know what i don't i don't need them or you know i just you just give yourself that positive talk so that it's it doesn't bother you and that's what i had to do that's 
great. At, at least you had, you know, that friend group that you kind of stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys end up graduating together, yep. going through high school together, and then pretty much um, you went separately during college years. I'm, I'm assuming we did. Okay, so then when you ended up pursuing your um, college career, what, what was your, where was your mindset at? Uh, my mindset was, you know, doing something that I felt like would fit my personality to some degree. Um, so I grew up, you know, how we talked about healthcare is big in the African community. So my mom was a nurse at that time. So she kind of had her influence too as well. So I ended up pursuing nursing in college. And I went to North Dakota State University for four years. And the same way, it was just like focused on what I needed to do with, with school. Uh, didn't really have too many friends, you know. Um, but I kind of knew what my priority was at the same time. So I was okay not having a lot of friends. Um, yeah. So, I've, so following up with that, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that um, seem to be validated by um, how many friends that they have, especially at such a young age, at such an impressionable age, right? When you're right. in college years, school years, those are the times when you're looking at, looking at your identity and trying to figure out who you are. But in the meantime, you're making all these mistakes because you're getting your validation from the wrong type of um type of things like how many friends you have or mm-hmm. if this person likes you or if you're this and if you're that um, so what kept you grounded and what kept you um, so like okay to be mentally okay to be um, yeah hey I don't have any friends and I'm not getting invited to this and that but it's okay mm-hmm. um, you know because I know when I was in high school and I was in college I was always trying to fit in I'm like where can I go? What can I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think I knew who I was at that age. And mm-hmm. um, luckily, I had a really good upbringing where I had the foundation. And my parents did a good job at instilling me that, you know, they loved me and that I was um, worthy of love and all this stuff. And that was, I was able to build on that. But at the same time, I was young. I was just not, I didn't have really good guidance at that age. And I was free in college to do this and this and that. So like I, I was all over the place and I really didn't um, feel like I knew who I was. I didn't have the um, vision for my life. I just, you know, there were things that were um, seeming like, okay, I don't want to get my validation from other people, but how did you have that strong mentality to be um, okay with mm-hmm. not getting invited and not, mm-hmm. you know, having th- those friends that you might have? Yeah, I would say for me, it's knowing your why, right? So from that young age, I always knew that like my parents could have been in Cameroon and have been just fine, but knowing that they sacrificed and came here for us. I wouldn't say it was a negative pressure where I couldn't go and do what I wanted to do because I still enjoyed, you know, what I would say was enjoyment to me, you know, but I think because I knew my why that was so much bigger than like having a bunch of friends or going out and 
doing this party or getting to involved in this thing, it was, I was able to stay grounded. You know, I kind of knew that vi I had that vision to some degree and that's really what kept me grounded. Cause I'm like, I, this is my opportunity and I have to use that opportunity. And I always knew that after I had this, finished my degree and had this opportunity, I still had a chance to make whatever friends I wanted to have or, you know, go to whatever party I wanted to enjoy and, and have. And I also grew up in a Christian home. So, um, Christianity and faith in Christ was a big thing. So that also helped me to stay grounded with the decisions I made and finding rest in, in Christ during those times as well and comfort. Um, so I would say knowing my why and my faith in Christ were the grounding source for me during those times and still is. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's great. That's uh, definitely commendable for you be, to be able to like know at such young age you had a vision. And I think um, coming from uh, a culture and um, a background that kind of shows you what life is like for other people, kind of at such a young age, you being able to see that in Cameroon might have helped um, develop your mentality of like you know this is what I want to do um would you say that that was the case oh yeah absolutely because I even think of some of the people that I left back home I'm like they don't have the opportunity that I have you know like yeah actually finish school and get a good paying job to you know to some degree compared to what some of the people that I left back in Cameroon are doing right now so I have an opportunity that some kids don't have and and it's a blessing to have that and I shouldn't take that for granted. So because I think that was so instilled in me at that young age, it kept being my drive as I grew up and pursued whatever I wanted to pursue. Okay, yeah, so following up with that, um, as you know, I have kids that were born in America, right? Uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> and I'm assuming that, you know, you and Sam, are gonna eventually have kids yeah and when you have kids that are born into a, a country that you know pretty much has all their needs met as, as far as Mas, what is it Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy mm -hmm. of needs right? mm -hmm. so once you have everything met um, and you're raising kids in this country where they're not really um, getting into a lot of difficulty or they're not seeing it. You don't have to get into difficulty, but you're, you're not seeing that constantly um, with, from your neighbors or whatever, you know, or for people that look alike, that look like you. Um, what, what advice do you have to parents out there or to people like me that are um, raising kids in, uh, in America mm -hmm. that that um, to, to give them that insight, to give them that drive, to give them that um, that type of um, that type of lesson that your parents have given you in yeah, your country. Right. Absolutely. So to what you said, right, it doesn't you don't necessarily have to go through a difficulty or challenge before you can have a vision or know what you want to do for your life, right? Um, right. So given that we are in the U.S. and most of, most of our kids or, you know, may not experience that from what we experienced in Cameroon or where we came from in Africa. And I think what helped us, even as we came to 
the U.S. to keep our our culture, our background the same was that our culture was so present at home, right? Because the home is the one place that you have so much control over. Because once the kids step out the door, it's a different ballpark. So my advice is to make the home as much of a culture, or you know what you want to instill in them, whether that be the food they eat, the music they eat, the stories you tell them from that very young age. You know, start doing that now and keep doing it. If it's the language you speak, speak that at home. You know, that was actually one of the mistakes my parent parents made. They stopped speaking the language to us because they wanted us to learn English. But actually, that was the time for them to instill those things in us in the home, because we don't get that outside. So having those things at home, where you can call that your cultural, your culture, your background, and what you're instilling them, is the place where that can be done. Because by the age of like ten, eleven, you know, outside society kind of dictates a lot of things that our kids see and do. So you have about like ten years with them to start instilling all those things, and the home is the pl- best place to do that. And that's why I really appreciate, you know, how you guys are homeschooling your kids because you, you can really be that anchor in their life and instill those things and those values and work ethic and perspective on life because you can be present. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's that's an awesome advice. Definitely. I um, I struggle when it comes to you know incorporating language and incorporating incorporating culture. I came here when I was 10 years old, and then I ended up marrying a, an American guy. So like he doesn't speak um, my language, but he's definitely like wants to incorporate that too. So I'm trying to do better as far as homeschooling goes. One of the reasons why we did end up homeschooling is because we wanted to make sure that we install that. Um, that basic foundation for them to go out into the world and build their life upon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with the language and culture, I think we try to take them to like different churches. Uh, we don't want them just to know because we're both a blended family, so we want them to know all different cultures. So we've been to like um, Senegali church, uh, like we've gone to different churches that. We can incorporate, but as far as language goes, I definitely um, am thinking more seriously about it and definitely trying to incorporate that. Um, but um, so, when you have your kids, you and I know you and Sam are from different um, cultures, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like um, how do you think you're going to incorporate that? Yeah, honestly, I we are open, right? Whether they learn my language or his language,、um, but I would say right now, given that I don't know my language, <laughs> the plan would be for for them to learn his language. He actually speaks、um, Yoruba, and、okay. his family speaks Yoruba, so he the children would be more likened to learn that because there's an opportunity to speak with people who actually know the language. Versus, I, um, it's Nigerian. It's a it's a language. Yep. So okay, in Nigeria. Yep. So they speak Yoruba, and so yeah. So since he speaks it, it would most likely be that. So I think you know what those blended families is okay. Well, which one stands out the most? Which one do I not know the most about? Because it's kind of a give and take, right? 
if you don't know too much about one thing, maybe someone else does, and maybe that person can instill that. And then maybe you're more, you know, the food aspect. Maybe you can instill more of the food and, you know, showing the kids how to make this food and what it means, or maybe you want more of a storyteller. You can tell more stories about your experience growing up and maybe even taking them back to where you grew up, you know, given, you know, times and the safety and everything is, go is good back home, but also showing them like where you grew up. I've seen a lot of parents where they will send their kids like on vacation over the summer back home so that they can get some of that culture in them as well and those experiences. So it might not be exactly the same, but even being exposed to it can change someone's perspective and mindset on life as well. Definitely um, right. I I want to go back a little bit. Um, so you got to college and you ended up pursuing nursing, and then um, you graduated and then ended up working as a nurse for how long? For four years, five years actually. And then what did you decide to do after? Um, so while I was working, so it's kind of funny. So I graduated. Uh, took a year off, but I in that year off, I was taking a class because I had plans to go to grad school. And my grad school was going to be for a family nurse practitioner. And so getting my doctorate in that area of family nurse practitioner. So while I was working as a nurse for the four to five years, I was also in school. So by the time that five years was up, I was also done with my nurse practitioner degree okay that's awesome look at you you're just kind of going and going and going <laughs> so i met you as a nurse at the hospital and yeah that's how we ended up um becoming friends but um can you go a little bit into details about your nursing experience how was that what made you choose that career and also, as you were doing your nurse practitioner, like what made you to go farther into nursing practitioner? Yeah. So what made me choose nursing is because I enjoy caring for people, encouraging, supporting people in whatever way I can. And nursing was, you know, it provides that for you where you can kind of serve other people and support people and kind of hear people's stories as well. So that led me into nursing and it also fit my personality as well. And as a nurse, I spend most of my time as a float nurse, which means that I would go wherever they needed me, basically. So I would literally come to work, be like, okay, where am I going today? And then I would go to that unit. And I enjoy doing that because I like flexibility. I like change. I don't like doing the same thing over and over to some degree and you get to meet new people you don't get annoyed with the people you work with so right. i enjoy that aspect of the nurse being a float nurse because you're meeting new people seeing new faces and you don't get into any politics at work <laughs> so because right. as a float nurse i enjoyed being a nurse yes um that's awesome that's i think that's the main reason why i'm you know being in the float pool one sign sometimes you don't really have a home, so you don't have that consistency, but mm -hmm. I do love and enjoy meeting new clients all the time. It's new patients, and then also just going around the units and just um, talking with different nurses. That, that's mm -hmm. definitely um, what I liked about it too. Mm -hmm. um, 
you it wasn't because you were kind of just getting burnt out um, of bedside nursing that you ended up furthering your education was it um, what was the drive behind that yeah for me it was having the flexibility um, so the whole reason of going back and getting my NP uh, was to be able to take care of people in a different way but without like the physical stress on my body right. I just right. in the long term that yes nursing bedside nursing was great but to be working odd hours <laughs> you know because sometimes you're working like flip shifts and one day it's a day shift at least for me and then another day is an evening and then you got to work the weekends so going back I would into to school to get my NP, I wouldn't have to worry about that. I can have a kind of a straight schedule and it would be less physical strain on my body and my life could be probably easier because I don't have that physical strain or weird odd hours and I could be present, you know, with my family. So that's what drove me into being an NP. And, and don't forget you also make more money. <laughs> yes, yep, you do make more money with time. But honestly, that was that was not my thought going in. I was just like, okay, like I can do more. I have more options and flexibility. So for you, it was more of the comfort of being able or the, the flexibility of being able to work uh, straight um, hour and then uh, not having that physical strain pretty much when you get burned out from yeah. physically yeah. working as a nurse. Right, exactly. You can help people in a different way that doesn't command that physical strain. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then, so currently, what what are you doing um, with with your life? What, um, what are you uh, working on? Yeah, so I guess currently I work specializing in mental health. So I work with uh, clients who have, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, bipolar, personality disorders, and I help with medication management with those kind of patients, substance abuse. So any mental health, I am helping with medication management with those and some patients who just need talk therapy, some counseling, I'm able to do that as well. Um, okay. Yeah. What, so how did you uh, choose to specialize in that area? Mental health is where you specialized your NP, right? So I did FNP, which is family nurse practitioner. So it just covers a white, like a wide base where I can okay. plug into anything. Yep. But then you ended up pretty much having a little bit more of a passion for mental yes. health area. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. Then, yeah. So what led you to that? Um, to that decision? Yeah, I had a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> okay. I like those because then you know we can learn from it. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, so I kind of what I talked about I was doing my relationship coaching a little bit prior prior to. Um, when I started my NP role as a mental health, but as you guys know, the pandemic happened this year. And prior to the pandemic, I was working in pain management, which I, I didn't like, you know, I didn't enjoy taking care of patients who had pain and like handing out narcotics and right. bring me joy. I just didn't feel like I was fulfilling what I should do. like 
you know, in that helping people that I desire. So the pandemic happened and I was laid off and it was like, I felt horrible, miserable. Like I felt so sad, like, oh my gosh, I don't have a job and, you know, what am I going to do and all those things. But it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I'm like, okay, well, I really didn't like what I was doing in pain management. Like I wasn't fulfilled. I was just doing it so I can pay off my student loans. So that not working gave me like time to like really think like, okay, well, what do I actually really want to do? You know, just like I enjoy encouraging and empowering people, like having those heart to heart conversations. And that's where the mental health came in. I'm like, that's what it is. Mental health. I need to be in mental health. So the whole being laid off, the pandemic ended up being a blessing in disguise because I got to, you know, really spend that time to identify what I feel passionate about, where I feel fulfilled in and to able to, you know, get plugged in into that role. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. So then that led you to um, uh, creating your own business, right? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so the relationship coach happened kind of while I was in school. And my husband now, who at that time was my boyfriend, he was saying that, Viv, you can't keep just focusing on career, career, career. Like there's more to life than, you know, school. Like there's more to it. So then I started, you know, he kept questioning me. And then I started wondering like, well, what is my purpose? You know, cause that was a question like, what's, what's my purpose? So I, I started doing all this reading and watching videos and listening to different sermons about your purpose and how to find your purpose. And I was kind of conflicted at that time too, because I'm like, well, I'm in the healthcare field, I'm helping people, how is that not my purpose? You know, like I'm living out a purpose. Right, right. But like, the more I kind of try to study that and understand what your purpose is, I remember listening to um, a video by Oprah and she made a statement which was the click, It, it just, it was the switch I needed. And mm-hmm. comment like your 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 passion will match your purpose. So mm, it will match your purpose. And in literally that quick second, I'm like I enjoy having heart to heart conversation with people. Um, mm-hmm. And like what I talked about, I'm usually that go to person in my friends group and my family where people come to me for like advice. <laughs> and I think sometimes I feel like that's why I don't have too many friends because I'm like the advice friend, which is totally okay. It's fine. I'm getting okay with that. <laughs> but like I enjoy having those conversations. And when that switch happened, I'm like, well, that's what I should be doing. I should be having more of those conversations. And at that time, I didn't know what that meant, right? Or what that looked like. So I just started doing more research on, you know, what that came to be. And it was at at the time life coaching. So I started posting things on Instagram, just like doing encouragement and just empowering people. And the more I I did that, it kind of evolved, like after doing more research, okay, well, what problem do I want to solve? So the more I thought about that, healing kept coming in on, on my heart, like healing, healing. And then I'm like, okay, well, what aspect of healing? And the one area that I have experienced where I feel like I could help other people is healing after going through, you know, a heartbreak. 
And I experienced that and being able to help someone heal, especially as women, like trying to navigate the dating world and marriage and all that. It it can be hard, you know, and to be able to have another woman who's been through that and now is in a place where they are married and they have this, you know, like with a desire where most people want to be married and have a fulfilled marriage. I want to help other women, you know, heal from whatever heartbreak that they have gone through, you know, get rid of that pain, anger, frustration, and to be able to have clarity with what they want for their life and what the desire in a relationship. So that came to now focus on relationship coaching. I've been helping women through my Achieve Emotional Healing program, where we work through those things and yeah, get them to that place of healing and clarity in their life. That's awesome. That's that's really that's really good. I uh, definitely understand when you talk about how. Um, what did Oprah say? She said, "Where is your passion and?" Purpose, yeah, right? your passion will match your purpose. Your passion will match your purpose. So my passion has always been wanting to help other people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot. It's broad, but there's a lot of things that you can focus on if you. Um, want to go ahead and do something in that area but helping women find uh <clears throat> you're not a matchmaker <laughs> no not what you, are. you are pretty much just coaching women that have gone through uh heartbreak right yeah and and healing them and helping them heal to be able to find love again right right um when when you do that um do you how do you navigate the the hurt and the pain? You know, sometimes people tend to stay in that, and it's such a comfortable area to stay in that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, having to let go of that pain and move on means that you have to do more work, mm-hmm. and then you have to right. Right. So, how? What advice do you have um, for women out there that are going through? Uh, a heartache but they just continue to choose almost the same type of uh relationships yeah um what is it something that they can do to break that habit uh be able to find the right mate right um so for the person who keeps dating the same kind of men and going through the same heartbreak just want to make sure i got that question correct right okay Um, Honestly, it starts from within, right? I think the first thing is recognizing that you have been dating the same kind of men and getting the same results, right? Because why keep doing the same thing and getting the same unwanted results? So until you're able to identify those results are not what you want, change won't happen. So you're in that place where you've identified you're making those same results. I need you to now just pause from dating. Don't date anybody new because now it's being intentional with yourself, right? And it's it's easy. So some people either want to face those concerns that's been coming up or some people want to retrieve and not address it. So if you're the person who retrieves from those emotions, I need you to, you know, build, build that pain, build whatever emotion that comes up with that experience, because in order to really heal and, and move forward, you have to be able to put a word to how you're feeling, to be able to explain how you're feeling, 
And then once you identify why you're feeling the way you're feeling, you can process those things, which will now help you heal and move forward. So I like to make the analogy of like the rain, right? So when it rains, naturally, we just want to retrieve and go into the house. We actually stepped out and felt the rain, right? And we realized, okay, well, maybe the rain actually is not that bad. I can feel it. Maybe it feels warm. It feels cold. And then you now know how to adapt to that rain. You now know how to protect yourself from that rain. So in the same liking, when you can feel your emotions, whether it's the sadness, the anger, the confusion, you have a better understanding of those emotions. And now you can better control it and nip what the source may be that keeps making you repeat those patterns. That's where I would say, let's start. That's, that's, that's really good. I definitely will keep you as a friend and <laughs> call you up whenever, you know, I have something going on. So for sure, how, um, what would you say to someone that wants to do pretty much in that same area, um, in that industry of like coaching people and helping people? What advice would you give them on how to start, how to identify your purpose and then match it with your passion? Yeah. I would say to, if you're in the process of identifying your purpose, um, so these are three things I'll tell you. So for sure your purpose, right? Your, your passion, sorry. So that's something you enjoy just doing. And then that also comes with your gift. What comes naturally to you that maybe doesn't come naturally to other people. And then the purpose comes when you match your passion and your gift together, that gives you your purpose. So just ask yourself, what where are you good at? What's your gift, right? And then you could do it for free, even if you get paid or don't get paid. Something you're good at. And then what is your passion? What do you enjoy doing that you could do forever? And when you put your gift and your passion together, you get your purpose. So once you've now identified your purpose, you just start where you feel comfortable, right? Maybe that's just sharing your your passion with someone or just doing whatever that passion may be. And the more you keep doing that passion, the the steps will come to you. It's weird how that works, but it's the hardest part of starting. And once you start living out that passion, steps will come to you that you need to take to, to evolve that passion. So you might start by what we're doing today, right? Just having that podcast because you have that passion of wanting to hear other people's stories, you know, and learning about them. So you take that action. And now right. if you start, it might be like, oh, wow, someone else hears about your, your podcast. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have this idea. What do you think about this? And then that's like another step that you now receive to move that, you know, passion purpose forward. So mm-hmm. Yes, that's amazing. That's a really good advice. Um, but well, I really appreciate you being here. It's been an awesome um, conversation. This is exactly why I'm doing um, what I'm doing. It's just because I love listening to people. I think one thing I have to get better at, at, at is listening to people. So this was just more of like helping me to get um to get better at listening but I love talking to people I love getting to know them and so um, I'm I feel like I've known you but I haven't really known this side so um, thank you for coming on here Mm -hmm. and sharing with us 
and hopefully you'll motivate somebody hopefully you drop some really good um, insightful things that you know would inspire people to go out there and do what they want to do um, and is there like a place that you want them to find you if they were able to um, want to get that service from coaching or like your social media yeah you can follow me on vibe with viv so that's like v as in victor i ice b as in boy e as an elephant vibe with viv and that's my instagram handle and my website as well as vibewithviv.com okay so what does someone have to do to like get coaching with you yeah so you can book a free session with me i enjoy talking with people so mm -hmm. typically we'll just have you book a session on my website and we will just have a conversation and really dive deep to you know what you're experiencing right now and what your goals are and then if we are a good fit for each other we can now start coming up with how we want to move forward and starting the program so just get in a call We'll have a nice conversation and help you kind of get clarity with what your goals are and what your desires are. All right. Well, thank you for being here with me and um, thank you for giving, uh, sharing your time here with us. So thank you for yeah, having you. me. All right. Thanks, Viv. Thanks. If you like what you hear so far, make sure you subscribe so that you can be notified each week of a new episode that is being uploaded. Share with your friends and family and let me know if you'd like to share your story. As always, see you next week and thank you for listening.